Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, August 10th, brought to you by DraftBeast.com and on it. Go to our podcast page, click that on it link, open up yourself to a world of kettlebells, beautiful, wonderful, comfortable apparel, excellent supplements from Alpha Brain, Shroom Tech. You have it from mental performance all the way up to physical performance. I love that stuff at on it. I am joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I mean, I, I, I finally cut up on my sleep. Do you sleep at all? I sleep really weird hours. Like, I usually sleep. I go to bed at about 2.33 a.m. Because it, here, here's my method to that. Nothing usually happens between midnight to 3 a.m. So I can catch up on work. I can schedule some posts. But also, nothing usually happens between about 7 to 10 a.m. in the wrestling and MMA worlds. Because the UFC and WWE don't want to break news before the West Coast can hear it. So, you know, I'm usually a little later to rise because I, I figured out their formula. I figured out their pattern, Joe. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I'm not going to lie to you. Usually by, what, 10 a.m. I have so much stuff already done. I get up not every day around uh, 6.15, 6.30. Try and get to bed by 10, which is Latin for midnight. Uh, but, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah, it, it, it takes a little bit of, you know, you got to get their, their methods and their patterns down, really. But I did start to notice that. I would I would hear some rumblings of stuff, and they would always be like, oh, we're making an announcement. And they would always say, we're making the announcement at like 11 or noon or 1 or something like that. It was never like 8 or 9 in the morning on the East Coast because people on the West Coast, people in L.A., they're not going to be up at 6 a.m. to hear that news. So. We have some news to talk about tonight, though. Ya boy, ya boy, George St. Pierre is back into the USADA testing pool as of today, Joe. Yeah, um, interesting news. It's, ya boy. I mean, yeah, well, uh, my boy uh, was very cryptic in his response to my text tonight. So uh, I'm trying to figure out what it all means, but I think we already know what it all means. If he's back in the... You saw the testing pool, and he's he doesn't want to get that exception for the four months. I mean, he's he's going to be tested. 
Uh, the only reason why he would want to be tested is because he wants to come back and fight. And if that's the case, uh, again, we're not trying to put the cart before the horse here, but if that's the case, who is he fighting? Who is he going to fight? And I posted that question uh, on my Twitter at Showdown Joe. And you know, I got varying responses. I said, you know, do you want him to fight Woodley? Do you want him to fight Bisping? Do you want him to fight Diaz? Because he's already talked, you know, crap about Diaz. He'd love to fight that. So it, it, maybe George is thinking about money fights right now. Um, but this goes back to my conversation um, when we first um, started the site here and, and just in general leading up to this. I don't want to see George come back. You know, it's, he's been out of there since 2013. It's been a while. But you made the argument that we're talking about George St. Pierre. He's a different beast. He's a different fighter. He's, you know, arguably the greatest of all time. He can do it. Oh, man, you can't really fight father time. I know people will say Randy Couture all the time. That was a different era in mixed martial arts. So uh, I don't Tim know if Sylvia it's – Sylvia was the heavyweight champion. Yes, correct. And I t- we, Randy Couture, myself, and a gentleman named JT McCarthy, who we did commentary with, talked about that specifically um, at a fight network party here in Canada. And the overwhelming sort of theorem behind all that was – Tim Sylvia was the champion, and it was, it was fairly easy for Randy Couture to come back. Not that Tim Sylvia was that bad of a fighter, but Couture figured out a way to drop him in the first five seconds and then beat him for 25 minutes. So let's, let's talk about this because GSP said that he was very interested in the Michael Bisping fight. Now, Michael Bisping is a much more skilled, accomplished fighter than, than Tim Sylvia. Still, someone who might be – I don't want to say easy pickings because Michael Bisping is not easy pickings for anybody – but GSP did say that he was interested in that fight. However, Dan Henderson got that fight. GSP said, I'm not interested in the winner uh, unless they're cool with me vacating the title immediately because I'm dropping back to 170 if I fight again. He doesn't want to stay at 185. Also, his, his appeal for the fight was a guy with 19 UFC wins against a guy with 19 UFC wins, I guess. I don't know that that was the appeal for anybody outside of maybe GSP, Joe. Um, no, it's just, I, I guess you're right. I mean, it, it is for GSP and, and for the uh, stats peeps out there. Um, George likes that 19. He really liked that 19. It didn't, not that I didn't think anyone was going to eventually get to it, but if he has the opportunity to prevent someone from getting it uh, within a weight class, obviously Bisping is that, uh, that would be something that he would entertain because it is his legacy. He's all about legacy, and he started talking about his legacy uh, before the BJ, the second BJ Penn fight, um, he, he really looked at his career and said, I have the opportunity to go down as one of the greatest of all time. So in order to do that, it's got to figure out different ways of, of not only just winning, setting records, uh, records that are difficult to break. Uh, but like, you know, the sport is new. The, these records are going to break, not all the time, but they are going to break. But the fact of the matter is, um, you and I don't think Michael Bisping is easy pickings. Maybe in George's eyes, he looks and he says, you know what, I match up really well against Michael Bisping, sure. uh, and I think I could probably take Mike – maybe I won't take as much damage as I, as I think uh, or that most people think uh, versus Michael Bisping. So it might be, quote-unquote, not easy pickings for us. Maybe for George, in his mind, he probably thinks that. Although, um, you know, there isn't one guy that George has ever told me he doesn't – respect in this sport he believes anyone that steps into the cage has some sort of skill uh, but it's all in how you match up against them and be what you bring to the cage that evening uh, as well as what you bring in that training camp so yeah you prepare for the fighter but bottom line is is what he needs to look out for in a fight is what he brings to the table and just show up to fight night at as close to 100 percent as possible because he's the first guy that's ever said it in the sport Sean that 
It's not the best fighter that wins. It's the best fighter that night. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, a few of the things that he mentioned, he said that his agent was negotiating with the UFC. They had an offer. UFC had an offer. GSP's camp made a counteroffer. And then they heard a day after that the UFC sold for $4 billion. So they wanted to wait a few days to see what was going on because even some employees were afraid of losing their jobs, even high-ranking people. They wanted to let management take care of their own company first. has been on record saying, I don't think GSP will fight again. That has to be like a negotiating tactic ploy, something of that nature. As in Dana White saying, GSP is never going to fight in the UFC again for the price that he's asking. Well, we have to take everything that Dana White says uh, with a grain of salt. I mean, his job, what he does for a living as a promoter is to be a spin doctor. That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. And there's nothing wrong with being a spin doctor. That's his job. He's supposed to generate whatever amount of interest he wants per fight or... Oh, it's a, it's a job that just got him, what, nine figures? Right. Off the sale? So- Keep, it, keep in mind that he did say days before the UFC sale wasn't going to happen. Although, if there were one company in this world that would turn down a $4 billion sale just to spite the media, it'd be the UFC. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, but, I mean that, that's just the way things are with the, you know, that, that Zufa regime. And, and, and Dana was a master at it. I used to get people all the time, oh, how can you like that guy? I'd say, well, if you've never met the guy, if you've never shook his hand, if you've never sat down – and literally just had a conversation with the guy. You don't know how his brain thinks outside of the cameras. And I can tell you that despite, you know, his, his brashness and his ego and, you know, people don't like him, he's a very smart guy and he's, he's a very loyal guy. Um, I used to tell people all the time, the guy always had my back. Just don't mess with his business. If you mess with his business, you're in big trouble. Luckily, I wasn't in any position to mess with his business I was basically the host of a TV show uh, for his company, Sportsnet slash UFC. So I never had to really mess with his business. But a guy like GSP, a guy like GSP's management, the Diaz brothers, sponsors, uh, you know, DirecTV at one point, and, you know, you know, John Jones, these are people that mess with his business. That's a different ballgame altogether. Also, worth noting, GSP did not want the, the exemption given to those who – now, now there, are, there are some misconceptions about this exemption. And the person who interviewed GSP for Bloody Elbow – it wasn't a Bloody Elbow staff member. It was somebody who was a, a guest. But he mentioned the exemption, and he said, well, like acted like Brock Lesnar was a special circumstance. Brock Lesnar was not a special circumstance. Brock Lesnar and BJ Penn were treated as any other fighter who just signed to the UFC were, unless they retired around the time that USADA came in. Like I know Brendan Schaub had to do paperwork saying that he was retired. So, and, and I think he, his last fight was five or six months before USADA came in, or at least a few months. Brock Lesnar had not fought since, what, 2000, December 2011. So it, it kind of... You say what you will about it, but it wasn't fair to hold him up to the same standards of a retired fighter if he wasn't around to agree to these terms. BJ Penn as well. Ironically, both men were flagged for USADA violations. So it appears as if the UFC is being a little a little stiffer about this policy. But GSP said, I don't want it. I don't want the exception. I want to go through the four months just like everybody else. What do you make of that, Joe? Well, if he doesn't, it's, he'd be a hypocrite. Right. He, he's sure. the one 
long. I mean, this this goes back to the Johnny Hendricks fight. Um, and for those that don't know the full story behind it, you can just probably Google it. Uh, but this all started with that Johnny Hendricks fight, and it all started uh, the the, the um, UFC fight week when Anderson Silva got knocked out by Chris Weidman. Um, that's when we, I, I don't want to give out. I'm trying to think, I got to word this carefully. Uh, there's certain information that I don't know if it's public or not, but that's when it all started. Okay, the whole Johnny Hendricks thing, um, and and the decision to go with Vada. Uh, the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, not understanding, um, and a lot of us are guilty about that, not understanding that, you know, despite them having transparency, uh, they're not recognized by athletic commissions. It was a selection that was made because they didn't want anyone else that may have been, you know, they just wanted, they wanted someone that, or, or, or an organization that was going to be uh, as transparent uh, and do the, do the due process accordingly. What they didn't realize at the time was that, you know, look who, you know, Margaret, Dr. Margaret Goodman was behind that. Dana White hates her. The UFC didn't want to go through that. They wanted to do the right thing with the commission. And it just turned into a huge mess, which really, really upset George St. Pierre to the point where he already had one foot out the door in that Hendricks fight. And if you look at that fight, take nothing away from Johnny Hendricks in that boat. If you look at the way George St. Pierre competed in that boat, um, and please don't, don't, don't take this as me defending George St. Pierre. I'm asking you to go back and look at that fight ladies and gentlemen, and just look at the way George fought in that fight versus every single fight previously to that. Then look at his post-fight interview and don't assume that he got punched in the head a lot uh, to make those statements. He was already halfway out the door. He, he, he had enough. Leading up to that fight, he was, from my understanding, he was sick and tired of all the guys that were on, you know, what he considered juice or whatever, uh, dealing with the UFC, the whole Dana White stuff. We saw what happened at the post-fight press conference. Dana White let his emotions get the best of him without speaking to George. Then coming back after the press conference was over and apologizing to the media that were still there, there was a lot of bad blood with George St. Pierre. Um, I shouldn't say bad blood. There was a lot of internal animosity that George felt that that's it. I'm leaving this thing. This is a joke. He goes, I know, I believe that there's people out there that are on juice. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. Um, you know, it, it always made me think. Sean, why did that, that, that Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre fight never happen, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'll, 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 I'll keep certain things private, but Anderson Silva oh, yeah. ends up getting caught. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people use the convenient excuse of he was healing a leg and a lot of that. You can pass a drug test when you know it's coming. And that's how so many of those were. You have to be an idiot to fail for some of the stuff that, that they test for, like, it, there was a problem. I've trained with people on and off the gas. I will say it does not make you a better fighter, but it allows you to have the tools to better to to make yourself a better fighter. And it, it's it is not fair. It allows for quicker recovery. It allows for a lot of things. It, the different substances that people were taking. Can I can I throw a small curveball into that that theory that that even Vitor Belfort has used and other people have stated that it doesn't make you a better fighter? Well. Yeah, I'm just going to throw this out there, Sean. If you are able to recover, means you can mm-hmm. train more. If you can train yeah. more in the art that you are training, are you not becoming a better fighter? Oh, sure. I mean that that's what I that's what I said. It gives you the tools to make you a better fighter. Yeah, it gives you that that thing. Hey, TRT Vitor is also on our list of fabled characters up there with motivated BJ Penn, sober John Jones, Kimbo with six months of sprawl training. Um, I, I got to think of some more. We need to do a tournament of these video game-esque 
MMA fighters. That would be absolutely EA, awesome. EA Sports UFC 2 version of Alex Caceres is on there too because that guy on that video game, he is a nightmare. I, I play it on occasion. I'm sure, you're, I'm sure you're not a big EA UFC 2 guy, Joe. Unfortunately, that's the one thing that my own pals, friends, nephews, uh, they mock me. I just don't play video games. It's never been something that I do. And, and to, to one of the places that I'm doing consulting work as we speak, uh, my best friend, for instance, who's been 16, Sean, is still an avid gamer. And every single day um, with his top sales rep, he pulls him off the floor and they, they play um, NHL 2K or whatever it's called or something. Oh, it's fun. It's for, I, I walk into the room to try and make sure, listen, I need to take care of this, take care of that. I got to talk to this staff member. I don't want to fire this person. Blah, 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 blah. I want to get rid of this person, that kind of thing. And these guys are just going at each other, like just trash talking, playing the video game. And I'm kind of like, what am I missing here, right? And I feel like I'm in this little small bubble of loserness that I don't play video games. I just play sports games. I play sports games in Grand Theft Auto because you got to let some aggression out, like you don't always get it out at, at MMA practice or wrestling practice. Sometimes you got to jump a car over a bridge or something. So I'll indulge on occasion. By the way, people are asking, what, what patriotic shirt am I wearing today? As you can see, I am Star Spangled Sap. Well, boy, I saw that. That is awesome. Do I have one for you guys? Just epic. Absolutely epic. That is indeed a cat dressed as Uncle Sam holding a firecracker, I do believe. I have socks that match, Sean, Joe. I didn't do you justice. Can you please do that again? But this time I will stay quiet and not interrupt. Go. Sure. I actually, guys, have matching socks. Look at that thing. Magnificent. I hope that our – see, this is what they're missing on the audio. Like some people are like, oh, and am I going to get it on iTunes? And when can we download it? You're missing it out on video, guys. By the way, if you want to get this video, maybe soon they'll, they'll mandate that these are members only, like they did that Vince Russo show. If you want to get shows like the Vince Russo show uh, five days early, go register for an account at Fightful.com. Do it. It's absolutely free. It's never going to cost you a dime. You get Showdown Joe's excellent columns that he writes in our members only section. Absolutely free. Vince Russo's Howard's financial analysis. You get our Wikipedia, true or false. This week's guest won Chael Sonnen. We debunked some Wikipedia facts, Joe. How did that go? Pretty well. Pretty well, actually. We found out what town he was born in because his Wikipedia says Milwaukee, Oregon, or Westland, Oregon. So that's one we had to figure out right there. He had a lot of interesting things to say. You know, the, the good thing about interviewing Chael Sonnen for 20 to 25 minutes, you know you're going to get at least six headlines out of it. Well, that's Chael, though. Chael just you – know, but you have to catch him on the right day, and you have to make sure that um, – what's the word I'm looking for? That we're doing an interview, Chael, that we're not going for steak right now. We're actually doing an interview, so you got to help me out here, right? And, man, there, there were times – I don't remember what, what fight it was. Uh, I literally – left my seat at the post-fight press conference and didn't care less about Dana, didn't care less about whatever champion was there. I, I just beelined right to Chael, and he's just looking at me going, uh-oh, now what? I just, I literally put up my hand, Sean, I said, Chael, thank you so much. My, my show next week, or as soon as I record it and I land in Toronto and it goes coast to coast, is going to be fantastic, all because of you. He's like, ah, whatever, steak, 
whatever, medium. No, what do you say? Well done. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's just he's he's just a walking headline, as is Conor McGregor. Ladies and gentlemen, I submitted an article to fightful.com last night. And usually when I submit articles, I expect Sean to reply back with something complimentary or showdown, you're an idiot, or showdown, great stuff. I thought I, I submitted a good piece last night. You know what I got from Sean last night? Nothing. Zero. Not okay. even a, I don't want to thank you. I would rather have had Sean what? say, you're an idiot, or you know what, that, was, that actually makes sense. Death, taxes, and Conor McGregor making headlines. Those are three guarantees in life. Let me let me just figure something out. Let's see, nineteen twenty. Uh, we've got something like forty news updates today, Joe. Forty. I myself wrote about fifteen of them. Fifteen are fightful dot com, and our boy, uh, our boy Jimmy, the benefactor here. He's getting his money worth money's worth out of Sean Ross Sapp. Not only that, I'm editing the other twenty five. I don't always have time to pay you and. You and Vince Russo compliments. I'll, I'll tell you what I do to Vince. Oh, Vince is a very polarizing, controversial figure. Like he's he's almost like the anti-internet fan. And you're like, see, I don't do this to you. You are a journalist, Joe. But what I do to Vince is I intentionally like change his headlines to something that will get people really pissed off. The other night, our own Vince Russo admitted that he had to indulge in a little marijuana in order to get through monday night raw so what did i do i found a picture of him smoking weed and i made the headline say i hit the og kush by 9 30 that's awesome it was a hit that is it was a hit no pun no pun intended it was a hit yeah <laughs> excellent stuff from <laughs> actually what? excellent Listen, stuff from I want to say down, Joe. What? just, just what? to defend you as well to defend you as well uh, I want everyone to know that when I submit an article, and this is something that's, that goes way back to my, my Sportsnet days, there's always a caption at the top that's simply in brackets. It says, please edit for grammar and spelling. Uh, not because I'm a dummy, but because sometimes I'll miss something because I'm so excited when I'm writing about something where I'm like, oh, my God, I thought uh, I just go, 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 yeah. go. So in defense of Sean Ross Sapp, or shall we say Star Spangled Sapp tonight, um, he was probably editing it and couldn't care less about what I was doing. He just had to edit it and put it up on the site. The other thing I want to mention, Sean, is uh, I'm not a journalist. Never have been, never will be. I'm just a dude who loves MMA, who was able to get to become an analyst, a TV host, an insider, but I never went to school to become a journalist. I'm just a dummy who's allowed to speak about MMA. 2009 World MMA Awards, I believe, would disagree. Wasn't that the year you were nominated? They nominated me for Journalist of the Year, and I said, okay, I'm, I'm in Vegas. I'll come to the party. Man, I did go to school for it. And I, you know, here's some things. I have a lot of people that will always ask me that. And it's always weird when people ask me, how, how do you get into this? How do you get into that? Because a lot of people don't take the go to school method. That's not one that a lot of people do. Uh, I did that. I went to school and I trained in pro wrestling and MMA so I could have a little bit of credibility at least. That way I could show some respect to the people that I'm covering. But it's not a necessity. There is a lot of money that I have spent. Look at look at what Joe has. Make some noise, Joe. Well, the whole thing is, as soon as I realized that I was part of the mainstream media and covering a sport, the first thing I did when I realized, man, you don't have education in this. You better learn real quick. I called the Canadian press. I spoke to a colleague of mine. And he says, dude, just go out, 
buy the book, read it back to back, and you basically get your own education for how much was this thing? Like 40 bucks, 30 bucks? For, for those of you in America, get the Associated Press style book. That's, that's, the, that's the Bible here. Associated yeah. Press style book. Exactly. This is the Canadian yeah, I mean, Press style book because obviously I was in Canada, but I read this thing back to back, brought it with me on every flight to, to Vegas, Chicago, whatever, and I would just read every day and ensure that I was following the, the journalistic standards that are dictated or that, that, that you should follow sure. uh, in Canadian media, which obviously bleeds over into the American and international stuff. Uh, with the exception of some crazy stuff that we see over in Europe, but I digress. And you know, it's funny because in between some of my other jobs, I would get responses from people that are like, "Oh, well, we don't pay a lot for articles, and it's it's almost impossible to make a career out of covering MMA or pro wrestling." That is not true. You can will yourself into it if you really work at it and make it happen. There are absolute ways. There are people like our own Brandon Howard. He does the most awesome financial analysis of WWE. Ian Kidd, of, uh, sometimes he does work for Bloody Elbow. He uh, does a lot of weight cutting stuff, a lot of supplement stuff. He's fantastic at that. Patrick Wyman does a lot of technical breakdowns. You have a lot of people like that that, that find their own niche as well and really specialize in that and can find their own way. Mike Bond is really good with, with random facts, things of that nature. There, there are a lot of ways to get involved in it. But speaking of Chael Sonnen, if you want that exclusive audio, the full interview, sign up at Fightful.com absolutely free. No credit card, nothing like that. You'll also get access to our forums, which are being revamped. You all seem to like them, but we're revamping them. We want to make them a little more user-friendly, a little faster. So we're doing that as well. We haven't even started advertising the site yet. We're still making changes, fixes. That boxing section is really coming together thanks to Carlos Toro and Darren Doyle. A lot of you ask if we're doing ROH coverage. We are. Uh, Ryan Cook, our own Ryan Cook, is doing Ring of Honor coverage next Friday. So lots of cool stuff there. That Chael Sonnen interview, Joe, I asked him point blank if he and Dan Henderson conspired against John Jones a couple years ago. Uh, what, what's your take on that? But let me, let me preface this. Let me tell these people the history of this. So before I'm going to have to look up what pay-per-view, do you remember the pay-per-view that got canceled? UFC 151. Okay. UFC 151. Before that, uh, like maybe a week and a half before I want to say Dan Henderson pulled out of his fight. I had heard rumblings, rumblings that he was going to pull out of this fight a couple weeks before. As it turns out, he was hurt a couple weeks before. And the UFC didn't hear about it or publish it or whatever for another two weeks. On the week that he got hurt on UFC Tonight, Chael Sonnen was posturing, taking shots at John Jones. I thought it was evident. I thought it was obvious. I thought that Dan Henderson clued Chael Sonnen in and said, hey, buddy, get yourself this fight. What do you think happened, Joe? Uh, the fact that there's no real proof, but it is Chael Sonnen, who is one of the smartest dudes, uh, in this game, it would not surprise me one little bit if Chael realized and Dan realized, hmm, something's got to happen here. You can get this. And this is a big payday. Uh, get your three weeks or two weeks of training in, uh, and then start making some noise. It would not surprise me one bit. Uh, that's Chael Sonnen's modus operandi. That guy is a walking genius. He's a smart dude. 
he is so far ahead of the curve that, you know, he's got to look in his rearview mirror for the nearest person to catch up. I mean, the guy is just on a different level. People can say what they want about him. The guy is just so smart. Yeah, guys, go listen to that exclusive audio and get his side of things. He had a very interesting story to tell me regarding that, uh, that ended up in Dan Henderson being pissed off at him, actually. So go to Fightful.com, register absolutely free. It's under our exclusive section under MMA. I've got lots of stories coming out of that, including our Wikipedia true or false tomorrow. Back to this GSP stuff. He says that the UFC wanted to do this in Toronto. How would you have liked to have seen George St. Pierre against Michael Bisping in Toronto if GSP did come back? I know that you're not that interested in GSP coming back, but we could have sent you on behalf of Fightful, Joe. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Uh, I wonder if they'd allowed me into the arena. That's another story altogether. But uh, are they? What? No, 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 it's not. It's not another story. Let, let's talk about this. Is the UFC pissed off at you? I don't think UFC Vegas is pissed off at me. That's for sure. So I don't know about any other countries that may be upset with me but uh and i don't know why i mean I'm, at this point sean i'm sure you know i don't care uh it is what it is and who cares uh some way somehow i would get into the building i've got more connections than people <laughs> could possibly imagine i would be in there if it happened in toronto whether it's the rogers center or the acc or it doesn't matter it could be rico coliseum i'd get into the building um I, I don't you know it was one of the things that you and i talked about when the ufc was sold when Zufa sold it, uh, I said flat out, I really hope they over, they take a look at their international offices and, you know, examine them thoroughly. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So. <laughs> Your brain you have- is going 100 miles an hour right now, isn't it? It is. It is. One day. We are. Did you happen to see the Twitter beef between one Matt Riddle and Dan Hardy this week? I caught a bit of it, but I'm sure it exploded a lot more. Oh, it's great. Matt Riddle is working Dan Hardy so bad. Like, pro wrestlers are workers, and Matt Riddle is quickly becoming one of the best, like, in the world. Like, this guy is learning at a pace in which, I kid you not, I have seen – Two people learn at Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar. That's pretty good company to be keeping no matter what. Now, one thing that I want to talk about, we're about to talk about some USADA stuff. Matt Riddle touts that he is on a four-fight win streak. Dan Dan Hardy trashed him and said, no, you're not. Here's your Wikipedia page and pointed at those no contests in which he failed for marijuana. What is your take on that and wins being overturned due to marijuana? Uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's 2016. Uh, and you're always, always the minute any government entity gets involved with this, most specifically athletic commissions, and it becomes this personal vendetta against people that, you know, smoke weed, man, I've got very close to my heart. We have a friend of mine's father who we decided best bet was to put him on medicinal marijuana. Uh, this dude's off radiation. He is off chemotherapy. His white cell or red blood cells, whatever, are, are back to where they need be. The dude's fishing again. He's back in the office working. Just shut up. Stop it. Stop it. This whole marijuana thing has just got to stop. It's just, 
it's 2016, man. And just go back and look at the history. And, you know, I had. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know with my doctor. My doctor's a pretty good friend of mine. And he just, oh, look at the long-term, um, whatever, long-term studies on, on people that smoke a lot of marijuana and how they talk. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, don't let me tell you you're Joe a Joe Rogan doctor. is one of the sharpest people. Joe Rogan does a podcast like every two or three days a week, three hours, and has some of the most riveting conversations with people that I've, that I, I mean, I watch that just to watch anything but wrestling. I, I don't see it, man. Also, I've never will. And, 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 you know, I, I could understand if people are, are, for example, smoking it. And obviously the smoke could cause lung issues, but don't tell me it's addictive. Don't ever tell me it's addictive. It's not addictive. Uh, it doesn't lead to anything other. That's all a psychological thing. If somebody wants to go from marijuana to, to snorting something or injecting something, that's them. It's not has nothing to do with the marijuana. That's just dumb. Also, I mentioned this on another podcast this week. If you guys have not seen Matt Riddle's post UFC one nine one forty nine promo against the entire country of England, it may be my favorite UFC related interview of all time. Do you remember that, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the best. It was the best. And he's keeping it going. Like before his pro wrestling bookings in England, they need to show that on like a big screen because it's it's just fantastic. Reports that Ronda Rousey, or at least at least from Ariel Hawani, saying that her return is looking more like it'll be early 2017. Dana White had said this before. She is slowly but surely getting back into the public eye a little more. She did the the Reebok uh, body image campaign. I know that she was filming a commercial with Reebok where. Like her and Cain Velazquez and Conor McGregor were, or I think it was a Bud Light uh, commercial actually, where they kick a bunch of heads off of dummies. Uh, she's doing this Buffalo Jeans ad campaign. What do you see in the future of Ronda Rousey as it pertains to fighting? Um, seeing as she is such a competitive lady. I can see her definitely wanting to come back and right the wrongs that that affected her mentally after that loss to Holly Holm. I can definitely see that she's a competitor, man. You don't you don't get to the to the Olympics uh, without having some sort of drive and some sort of like you know what did Dana call her? Like she's really nasty. Like she's she's got it in her. Um, I've I've been around Ronda Rousey when she's upset. Yeah, it's not something uh, that you want to be. She, she's she's got that killer instinct, and you know. Um, well, one of the one of the most most eye opening experiences or, or things that was said to me, uh, and there have been many in this sport, was a long time ago. Um, I'm sure you remember Carlos Newton. Uh, he was a former UFC welterweight champion. His manager slash coach Terry Riggs. Um, we used to always talk. We were we were part of the team trying to put together amateur mixed martial arts in Ontario. And you know, Carlos was there, and we're talking this and that. And it, it, the one thing that stood out to me in that conver- that one conversation was. Fighters go through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. They win. They're, it's just unbelievable when they lose. It's not like 
you lose in the gym or you lose a, a, a fight at the bar in front of a couple of your friends, you are, you got your, you got knocked out. You got your ass whooped in front of thousands of people in an arena and potentially millions worldwide. Multiply that to Ronda Rousey, who was this, the face of MMA, the shit means made about you. Right. Like, it's just one of those things where, you know, and, and, and well, how do I say this? People have had worse days. People have, you know, have had bad times in their life, but multiply it now where the whole world can now see your problem. Right. And, and remember, people forget these people are human beings like you and I, they're regular people. They're, they're, they're regular, normal human beings that have just, you know, accelerated a certain part of life and have, have a career that has put them into a spotlight and put them into, you know, almost like a, a bubble slash, you know, but they're under a microscope. What happened to Ronda Rousey, no doubt, um, affected her. We know that. Um, did she put on like a fair amount of weight afterwards, Sean? I'm not sure if I know that for sure, but she put, she put yes, she a did. fair amount of weight? She did. Yeah. So to, to go through what she went through, after she gets through that depression and she starts coming out of that, if she went through depression, I'm, I'm assuming she did. But if she, if she did go through and then she comes out of it, that killer instinct comes back. That, that I got to write this wrong. I want, you know, I, I can beat Holly Holm. Uh, I will smack the plaque out of, out of Misha Tate's mouth. I will, you know, Amanda Nunes is, has my belt. That's what goes through her head potentially. And that's what she wants to do likely. So in my opinion, when we see her come back, yeah, uh, I, I, there's also that, you know, there's a lot of money being made outside of the octagon. So I do not falter if she never comes back because realistically, no matter how much, how competitive you are, ah, if you got a lot, of, a lot of zeros that end with a number or a number that had that ends with a lot of zeros in your bank account and you're not getting punched in the skull, yeah, you may want to take that option. Speaking of women's MMA, a new video was released, which we are about to post on Fightful.com, showing Chris Cyborg crying during a brutal weight cut before her UFC 198 uh, fight. She is going to make this weight again, this 140 pounds. Um, I, if she can't safely make 135, she absolutely should not be doing it. My issue with her is she often encourages people to fight up 10 pounds when she probably shouldn't. And, you know, there's always the, well, they fought at 145 before. That's because that's where the fights were, and these women had to make a living. Like, there are a lot of 125ers that fought there. Like, it's, you know, there's not a lot of girls that she can fight, but unless they're willing, there is no obligation for a smaller fighter to jump up and fight this woman at 145. Um. I respected the fact that she at least tried to has tried to make 140. And like I've said before, I'm cool with a cyborg weight of 140 in the UFC. Whoever wants to fight her, let her do it. She's a special enough attraction to to uh I think. Any thoughts on on this tough weight cut for her? I I concur with what you said 100%. If if it means that the the, the most that she can make is 140 pounds, then let's just have that cyborg division. You know, I, I mean, it sucks. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a whack of catchweight fights uh, for the uh, on behalf of the UFC or for the UFC for for Christian Cyborg. I, I I have no issues with it whatsoever. She is a special attraction uh, at, at 145 pounds. You know, we can discuss it whether there's talent there or not. There really isn't. Um, there is, but there isn't when you think about it. I mean, they're they're cutting down to 135 really, but. If, if it's at 140 and people or, or ladies want to fight her, 
do it. What's the big deal? I mean, it doesn't just because it says 135 or 145 or 155, there's catchweight fights all the time. Heck, I mean, every Titan car that I've been a part of, there's been situations where there's been catchweight bouts. Doesn't make the fights less exciting. Who cares? They fought. They got in there. They all made weight. Get her done. Completely agree. I want to see Cyborg fight Jermaine Durandamy really badly. I want that fight. Durandamy wants it. Cyborg does not want it for whatever reason. I just want to see it because she is a human being who wants to fight Cyborg. That's all I ask. I just want Cyborg's opponent to actually want to fight her. You know, as it turns out, Joe, when two people really want to fight each other and they're not afraid to talk about how bad they want to fight each other, you get a situation like Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor, two guys who thought that one was taking something from the other one, really just really wanted to beat the shit out of each other, and they were cool talking about it. And you get magic like that. I think that that can happen. I think that a lot of guys are maybe concerned with looking a little ridiculous if they lose. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz were not concerned about that whatsoever. I am getting too excited for this fight. We are a week and a half away. We are going to ramp up this coverage of UFC 202. It's a big weekend, Joe. I know you're not big into pro wrestling, but SummerSlam the next night, NXT TakeOver head-to-head with UFC 202. Lots of stuff going on. As a programming note, guys, uh, our post-show podcast that night will be right after UFC 202, not after TakeOver. I'll do about 45, 50 minutes with Joe. Then our friend Alex Pawlowski will be on to talk NXT for probably another 35, 40 minutes as well. So it's going to be a supersized edition of the Fightful, Fightful.com podcast. We got some more USADA stuff, Joe. Yeah, before, not we happy. Get to that, before we get to that, I, I got to sure. mention one thing because you absolutely just – I almost spilt my coffee laughing so hard. This has got to stop. We, if you're if you're in Canada right now and you're under the age of 19, I do not do what I'm about to tell you. If you're in the states and you're under the age of 21, you can't do it. So anyone that's of legal drinking age, anytime Sean Ross Sapp mentions Cyborg and or that fight with Geraldine, <laughs> or I mention GSP, or I don't know, we're idiots. And every time we do something like that. You might as well just create a drinking game because every podcast, oh yeah, we do it. Every podcast, we do something of that nature. You have to bring up Cyborg. I got to slip in the GSP nuts. story. It's ridiculous. It just it drives me nuts. Drives me nuts that people say, "Whoa, I don't know." Ronda Rousey used to fight at one forty-five. You know what? Joe Riggs used to fight at heavyweight. I don't want to see him fighting heavyweights. Not now. I didn't want to see him fighting heavyweights then. He looked horrible, but her peak condition obviously 135 uh yeah super weird by the way guys fightful.com that's the place to be boxing wrestling mma what's the legal drinking age there joe 19 19 i've never actually drank tell everybody tell your friends tell your family tell your mom go get your drunk friends from the bar offer them a ride home then instead of taking them home, take them to your house, sit them in your office, open it up, show them Fightful.com. Just don't let them get on our forums drunk, please. That would be bad. Do whatever it is that you can to let people know about Fightful.com. Within certain legalities, I may or may not have told people to dig up dead people in the past. That may affect, <laughs> that may affect sponsors down the line. So 
I will ask that you all don't literally dig people up. If you happen to see a dead body just laying on the road, call the cops, then pull out their smartphone, go to Fightful.com and bookmark it because whoever gets that phone afterwards will then see our website. So that's very important. Very important stuff. Anyway, some USADA news. Krokop not happy with his two-year suspension. He never actually failed for any substance. He actually admitted that he used HGH. Do you think because of this that he should have gotten maybe a little slack? Also, what about him going all Snoop Dogg deep cover and saying, I'm not snitching? That whole Krokop situation is just... I don't know what to think of it, to be honest with you. It's every time I read a new story with Krokop, I just, I, I sort of shake my head and pause and then reread it again because it's you just. You think you saw to ask him to snitch? Yeah, I believe so. I do too. I definitely But it's do. ridiculous. I mean, Krokop, um, don't test me, but I took HGH. What? Excuse me? Right? Okay. Um, all right. You're suspended. No, you know what? You should have put, you should have tested him. Yeah. You'd avoid it. Yeah, absolutely. How dumb can these fighters be? Stop disclosing this stuff. Stop telling on yourself. It's Krokop, Machida, and BJ Penn. They've all tattled on themselves. I don't I don't get some of the stuff that, you know, and it goes back to your your theory or, or your your statement before about, you know, if you fail a drug test that you know is coming up, you're a dummy. Okay? Yeah. So let's let's I mean it's very simple, okay? I'm not going to show the sponsor, although I can't, but I'm sure you guys know what this pretty much is right here. Okay. If the owners, it's, founders, it's some beverage with on it Alpha Brain Instant mixed in, is what it is. So let's say I was being tested for certain caffeine levels, Sean, and I was told, what's today? Today's August 10th. And I was told yeah. on September 1st, Mr. Ferraro, we are going to test you. You cannot have any caffeine in your system. Take a wild guess what I'm going to do starting tonight. Probably buy a syringe and like get as much caffeine as you humanly can and just squirt it into your eyeballs. And then you're going to tell them about it beforehand. That way they, they make sure to get it good and ready. Or the test rather. Or I can stop drinking coffee starting now. So that on September that sounds like way 1st, too much work. what's that? It sounds like way too much work. <laughs> Just stop drinking coffee. So that on September 1st, when I get tested, there's no caffeine in my system. Why? Because they told me, September 1st, you're getting tested. That's what it's like for these you know, mixed martial artists that are going before USADA. That's what it was like. And yet they would still fail their tests. Okay? I, I, I never understood. You're, that's, you, just, you can't do math. Now, with USADA and random testing, guess what, dude? You cannot do anything. And we, you and I talked about it before, Sean. If your doctor prescribes you something, you better, before you accept, before you buy, before you take, double check to see if it's on the list. If it's Tom on the Cerrone list. Has said, all you have to do is take a picture of something, send it, and they give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Pretty simple. That's from the Donald Cerrone rocket scientist course. Right. Right. Either way, Krokop, two-year suspension, doesn't matter. He'll probably make more money in Japan anyway. Um, but yeah. Go to Japan? Huh? Does USADA have any reps out in uh, Japan? 
No, UFC released him, so he's he's in on that Ryzen GP tournament. Oh my god! All right. Oh wow. Yep. Um, the tough. I think it's tough. China, man. I'll feel super like racist if this guy didn't win that tournament. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Ning Guangyu will not be suspended after he failed a drug test for clenbuterol back in May. Contaminated meat, and there was a warning issued uh, to to fighters about meat in China for this. So USADA declared no wrongdoing. He doesn't get a suspension. Yoel Romero and Tim Means did get suspensions when it was proven that they didn't do anything wrong. What gives here, Joe? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not saying I, I know much about Clem. Uh, I, I know, you know, I've had friends who've taken Clembuterol and loved it. And I was like, I'm not putting any of that stuff in my system. I didn't know meat could be contaminated with it. I, I always thought it was, it, it came from somewhere else. And when I saw the story, I was like, man, I really got to go, I got to really educate myself on these drugs now. Because I thought, you know, I mean, Clembuterol, to my understanding, was something that you were, you had to inhale. Yeah. Uh, I could be completely wrong, but now it's, when I saw in meat, there was a recall in meat. Terrifying. So I guess you're, is it the, you know, the, the joke of the Alistair Overeem, you're eating horse meat because horses were on it? Like, what's, what, what are you eating? What kind of meat are you eating? I mean, and then the fact that you, you ingested it and it was going to show up on a drug test. Usually things that show up on a drug test have various volumes in it, you know, and that, and that's why I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent. Not, not many people are big proponents or fans of Victor Conte, but you know, he was the one that, that I first heard on Joe Rogan's podcast, by the way, um, of the, what is it? The, uh, carbon isometric drug or, um, racial test. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause that was the first time it really made sense to me where, you know, it didn't matter what your levels were, um, you know, your, your, your testosterone to epitestosterone. That makes no difference. If you have a carbon isotope ratio. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever, if it's, if, if anything synthetic was in your system, this test was going to find it. So your levels could be one to one, two to one, whatever the commission, I think Vegas was a six to one or four to one. doesn't matter. If something synthetic is in your system, meaning not naturally created by your body, the carbon isometric, was it carbon isometric ratio test? Uh, carbon isotope ratio. Isotope ratio test. I don't take drugs. I don't know, dude. I'm trying. I'm, I'm, you understand what I'm saying here? If that catches something in your system, that's what I like to see. But for meat, Sean, for meat, that's going to affect your levels. That Oh, that's just, I don't get it, man. That's crazy. Also, Tim Means, or not Tim Means, rather, uh, Ben Saunders, out of the UFC, wasn't cut. Uh, he was offered a fight, but we'll have to wait the four months. This is kind of an unusual situation. He stepped away from the sport. I guess he informed the UFC that he was going to take time off, and because of that, they pulled him from USADA testing, and now he will require testing. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate. I hope he comes back. Three and one in the UFC, this latest run. Puzzling. Some of the, some of the things, I guess, his, his spot on the roster was filled, he said. Kind of weird. By GSP. Hey, hey, get him in there with Gerald Harris. I keep championing a Gerald Harris return. I don't know what that guy's got to do to get a fight. I like killing these you know, Gerald Harris, yeah, you're, you're right. That, that guy there, we talked about it during the last podcast. He, he I don't know, man. There's, like, there's got to be some bad blood somewhere, man. There's got to be something more to this. 
There's something somewhere. And I'll, I'll say this. I did a feature on Gerald Harris, which I have to completely do over because when I interviewed him, he was not interested in an MMA return. And since then, he is very interested in an MMA return. And I saw a journalist say something that said there was more to it than people know. And if that's the case, I don't even think Gerald Harris knows what it is. Um, this is a guy who admitted to me, you know, he said that fight with Mikel Falco was terrible, but he was he doesn't remember anything after the first round. Not a thing. He said he was out. If they would have stopped the fight, it would have been justified. He has offered to be a late replacement at 170, not even 185 where he had the majority of his fights. At 170, about three or four times lately and has been passed up. It's it's super un- – it's, it's almost weird. It's like really, really weird to me. I really want to look more into this. Um, yeah, that's, that's just something that – very odd to me. Anything else in the news this week that I'm missing – well, you, mentioned Tim, you mentioned uh, Tim Means. Uh, he's got his, an opponent now, Sabo Homasi, who I just called his last fight. There you go. Yeah, Sabo Homasi. That dude is awesome. If you didn't see him on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, try and go back and watch some of the Titan fights on UFC Fight Pass. That guy there is a walking. You know, I'm not I'm not comparing him to Conor McGregor, but some of the stuff that he does and some of the stuff that he says, uh, he doesn't care. Doesn't care about your opinion whatsoever. He is going to be Sabo Homasi, and he is just absolutely hilarious uh and i tweeted out uh, bittersweet for me man very bittersweet loved calling his fights his weigh-ins alone uh were a disaster uh but his his um disaster in a funny way but and then you know he, he's got two good wins back to back in titan for sure and now uh, you know he steps up and he gets finally gets to the ufc uh other than his stint on the ultimate fighter and he'll be fighting on the next show i remember what i wanted to talk about briefly because i have to get into this pro wrestling stuff for a few minutes at least so lots of names dropped out of these UFC rankings, namely Brock Lesnar, Lyoto Machida, Frank Mir, John Jones. I don't care about that. Don't care. What I care about is these super mules that for some reason put Antonio Bigfoot Silva as number 15 on these heavyweight rankings. How dare you? I am going to track down every single person. Actually, I probably have one of our staff members do it because I don't. And I'm going to find him. I'm going to find whoever did it. Imagine, Joe, ranking Antonio Bigfoot Silva in your top 15, technically top 16, heavyweight fighters right now. He has won one of his last seven fights. Yeah. Listen, uh, take nothing. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, the, when I was doing the rankings for UFC.com as well, um, I'm not saying that they were a challenge. Uh, did I make errors? I've made errors before, and I've been called out by certain websites and immediately issued an apology and immediately told the UFC if we can change it or, or fight metric, if we could change it. If not, I will definitely correct it the next time over. But then I started going through some of the rankings and some of the people that were ranking out there. I get making one mistake, two mistakes every, what, six weeks, two months. I get it. But then I was seeing some of the guys and then I just, you know, we would talk about it at the the media before the events or even after the events. Who would you have here? Who would you have there? And I'm looking at some of these guys going, what are you talking about? Like, 
Are you doing your rankings based on the last two or three events or the past 20 years? Like you have to make, you've got to look at caliber of competition. And then it hit me, Sean, that there, these things are so subjective, so subjective that everyone's got their own opinion. I was just like, I got to get, I got to get out of this. I, I can't be involved with this. I, I don't want anything to do with this. Uh, and then when I had my stint uh, with another website, I said, it's, it's in my best interest not to do this anymore because I was just, like you said, you look at some of these rankings and you're like, oh my God, are you serious? That's somebody has, there? somebody has Bigfoot at number 12. And the fact, here's, here's another funny one that I always thought was weird. Roy Nelson at number 11. You know how many top 10 opponents he's beaten in his UFC career? The answer is zero. Zero. He has never beaten a top 10 opponent, but there he is right outside of that top 10. That's not taken into it's not factored into this. It's really weird. It's really weird. Either way, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. You'll be back next week, of course. You can check out his exclusive columns at Fightful.com. Register for free. We already have over 1,200 members registered on our website. Absolutely free. I appreciate all the, the support that you guys have given us. Joe, anything to tell the people before you go? Uh, I'm hoping that Sean goes off on this whole CM Punk uh, situation in the video. Oh, and wait, the footage. we got to talk about that. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This, this is wrestling. This is wrestling. This counts. Because I'm, I'm mandated to talk some wrestling. Because I have not watched Cruiserweight Classic or NXT yet, guys. I'll talk about that maybe tomorrow. Um, and I'll talk about this new championship after Joe. The CM Punk trailer. I'll say this. His technical ability looks like shit. The show, I will be watching. 100%. The production values thus far, even in just that trailer, are fantastic. Until I saw the striking. Uh, and you made a good point. Better hope that striking was from last year. And that's not the striking he plans on bringing in um, to the octagon. Because he, he could be in big trouble. Uh, now, he, had, he is working, or was working, depends on who you talk to, uh, pretty good camp. Uh, and hopefully his, his, that, if you haven't seen it, that wide sort of punch doesn't happen because that, that, that'll get you hurt. That'll get you knocked out. Um, but, uh, I really like the way this trailer looks right now. And I, by the looks of this documentary, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, he's an as interesting you know, dude. he's a very interesting dude. Oh yeah. Like I'm, I, I, I can't even claim to say that I've even seen CM Punk wrestle once, let alone, you know, know the guy, but from what I've, I've researched, spoken, uh, and understand smart guy, great guy, oh, uh, has every right to be in there is, has been afforded this opportunity that I don't think anyone would turn down. I wish him the best of luck. And I'm, I'm very intrigued. I want to see how he does because it's a great story. No matter way, no matter whether he wins or loses, I think it's a fantastic story. And this documentary will prove that, you know what, and it's going to generate so much hype too. As I mentioned, he's not the first guy to have his first pro fight in the UFC. Now, granted, there were guys like Matt Etrione and Matt Riddle who came up through the Ultimate Fighter and had amateur wrestling backgrounds and amateur fighting careers. But this is not new. Herschel Walker, now granted, Herschel Walker, I thought was one of the best ambassadors for the sport possible. He was, that dude is a national treasure. Different situation. Um, here's my take on it. Duke Rufus, like, like I mentioned how every dietitian wants to be the one that got Cyborg to 135. There were a lot of coaches who wanted to be the ones that coached CM Punk to his first fight. That is a pretty tall task. I think Duke Rufus, being the striking coach that he is, 
I would like to think that he has CM Punk after, God, a year and a half now. Not like world-class, not like even entry-level UFC class, but you know who's a good example? Baby Slice. Did you see Baby Slice's first fight? He didn't look like he was a world beater or anything, but you looked at him and you're like, okay, he trained, he trained for this. He didn't just jump in and say, I'm going to do this. He said he trained for it. CM Punk will resemble a guy who is trained because he has trained. I really hope that footage was from February, 2015. It was bad. And I also, I also hope that he comes in there and absolutely looks like, a world beater. That would be that would Me make too. everybody involved in this look fantastic, especially GSP versus CM Punk. Do it. I'm ready. <laughs> it would break every pay per view record the UFC ever had. Everyone, Joe, thank you so much, my friend. Always a pleasure, sir. Make sure you get some sleep. Yeah, right. I don't do that. See you later, Joe. A little bit of wrestling news before we go. New championship coming to WWE. Looks like it's the Cruiserweight Championship exclusive to Monday Night Raw. They have a few names there already. Enzo Amore, Xavier Woods, Neville, Sin Cara. I'm sure I'm missing one. or Sami Zayn. So they do have this championship. Now this is, by all means, it will be of the same vein as the last one. Hopefully without guys like Hornswoggle or Chavo Sr. holding the belt. But, you know, even before then, you had Raven, Brian Pillman, Jushin Thunder Liger, Rey Mysterio, Waltman, Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, Matt Hardy. Uh, now, that, that includes when it was the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. WWE Light Heavyweight Championship held by Jeff Hardy, Christian. So some names that became big did hold that. Big difference. That was 220 to 225 pounds. This is now 205 pounds. Really interested to see how this goes. I feel like they need to make it like what people think the Intercontinental title used to be. Like that that step maybe right below, but I would like to see them – what would be bad is if they do those champion versus champion matches and the heavyweight champion just mops the floor with the cruiserweight champion. That cannot be – that can't happen. Also, SmackDown numbers down again. That's not good. Go to our page. All kinds of updates. I'm talking like three dozen updates a day, guys. Lots of stories every day, even weekends. We had the YouTube rankings up there. I'll let you know what individual segments did best. All kinds of cool stuff. On it, go click on our podcast page. Click that on it link. Support us. Help keep this show free. Also, draftbeast.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page. Leave a thumbs up on this video and register at Fightful.com. I will be back tomorrow afternoon with Vince Russo. Exclusive members only for the first four or five days. So go sign up, guys. Until next time, we are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.